Jesus is the way, y'all. Amen. And we're going to discover that further today. Uh, but I want to encourage you, even in the, the face of dark times, even the, in the face of struggles, uh, even in the face of national turmoil, to keep your eyes on the one who can make a difference. Amen? Say amen. amen. Friends, I'm going to be today in the book of Judges, and that's on page 217 in the Bibles in front of you. And I want to encourage you to, to look these and follow along with me in these scriptures because of the very incredible similarity that they have to our nation today. In the Old Testament book of Joshua, God's people obediently and victoriously conquered the promised land by trusting in the power of God. The first people that came to this nation and created this nation did so by trusting in the power of God. Now, in the very next book after Joshua, in the book of Judges that will be in today, the same people, the same people became disobedient idol worshipers and were defeated time after time because of their rebellion against God. The reason is summed up in Judges chapter 17 verse 6 where the Bible tells us that in those days there was no king in Israel. But every man did that which was right in his own eyes. Friend, a man, a woman, or a nation without God is in big, big trouble. Are you hearing me, church? God had delivered the nation of Israel from horrible slavery in Egypt. He led them through the wilderness, giving them blessing after incredible blessing. They were highly favored people, the chosen ones of Lord God Almighty. He led them, he fed them, and he provided for them. And eventually, he led them into the land of Canaan, known as the promised land. All they had to do was enter into the land, drive out the people who lived there, and claim it by faith. All they had to do was enter the land, drive out the people, and take up residence in the promised land. But, but the chosen ones of God, the nation of Israel, denied the Lord. They defiled the land with their sin, and they defied the law of God. And as a result, God was forced to judge the people that he loved so, so very much. Now let's fast forward about 3,500 years. Let's see how America is similar to the nation of Israel. There is no doubt that America had an amazing beginning. There is no disputing the fact that America was founded not as a religious nation, but as a Christian nation. Are you hearing me, church? There is no question that God himself 
had his hand in the forming of our nation. Yet like Israel, America has denied the Lord who formed us. America has defiled the land with sin that he gave us. And America has defied the law in which God established us upon. And as a result, America is no more a Christian nation. America is no more one nation under God. You see, we're facing an impending national catastrophe here in America. We, like Israel as a nation, have turned away from the God who made us great. And we have gone after gods of our own design. Yeah, we have religion. But even in the church, do we really have a fear of God? Yeah, we have civilization. We have culture. But that's no longer built on the firm foundation of God's word. And so today, friend, I want you to see how Israel moved away from God. And I want you to see what happened to them because of their sin. And as we see how God dealt with his people, we will also see a portrait of us as a nation as it is today. And we will get a glimpse of what lies ahead for America if we do not return to God. Let me begin by telling you in Judges chapter 1, that Israel enjoyed a glorious conquest. In the first chapter of Judges, in the first verse, the Bible tells us now after the death of Joshua, it came to pass that the children of Israel asked the Lord, saying, Who shall be first to go up for us against the Canaanites to fight against them? And the Lord said, Judah, the tribe of Judah, shall go up. Indeed, I have delivered the land into his hand. And so Judah said to Simeon his brother, Come up with me to my allotted territory that we may fight against the Canaanites and I will likewise go with you to your allotted territory. And Simeon went with him. Then Judah went up and the Lord delivered the Canaanites and the Perizzites into their hand, and they killed 10,000 men at Bezek. So when Israel entered into Canaan, when Israel entered the promised land, friends, listen up, the sky was the limit. God had promised them the land, and all they had to do was go in and claim it by faith. But I want you to see what God's people enjoyed during those wonderful early days of victory. 
First of all, they enjoyed God's providence. Did you see it in verse 2? What the Lord said to Judah, he said, I have delivered the land into your hand. It was almost as if it was already done. The Lord said, I have delivered them to you. See, there was no way to lose as long as God was in front of them. There was no way to lose as long as God was around them. There was no way to lose as long as God was above them and as long as God was ahead of them. In Romans 8.31, Paul said it to us this way. He said, if God be for you, who can be against you? Amen. So as you face the promised land, as you face the Canaanites that we face, Friend, if God be for us, who can be against us? But they also enjoyed God's power. Did you see it in verse 4? They said, God said, I have delivered the Canaanites and the Perizzites into your hand. In fact, I killed 10,000 in Bezek. Can I tell you that God works in your battlefield too? That tells us who has the real power in our battlefield. Amen? It was God who did the, the killing. It was God who provided the victory. It was God who provided the delivery. And in Ephesians 3.20, the Bible tells us in the New Testament, now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can ask or think, according to the power that works in us, that Holy Spirit power, you got the power to whoop the Canaanites in your land. Amen. So they enjoyed God's providence and they enjoyed the power of God. But they also enjoyed God's promises. You see, for hundreds of years, beginning with Abraham, God had promised Israel a homeland. All they wanted was a place to call their own. A homeland. And that's what God is trying to do for his chosen people here in the first four verses of Judges. See, Israel was a nation formed by God and formed around God. And while America is not Israel, are you hearing me when I say that? America is not Israel. America is clearly the product of the sovereign will of Almighty God. We're here by the sovereign will of Almighty God. America was founded on God's word. And over the years, this nation has enjoyed God's protection, God's power, God's promises, and God's provision. So like Israel, America is a nation that has enjoyed a glorious, glorious conquest. But then something happened. Israel began to tolerate gradual compromise. In chapter 2, in the first verse, the Bible says that the angel of the Lord came up from Gilgal to Bochum and said, I led you up from Egypt, and I brought you to the land which I swore to your fathers, and I said, I will never break my covenant with you, and you shall make no covenant with the inhabitants of the land. You shall tear down their altars. But you have not obeyed my voice. Why have you done this? Sadly, 
over time, things begin to change for Israel. Just look in verse 7. So the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great works of the Lord, which he had done for Israel. And then in verse 10, when all that generation, when all that generation had been gathered to their fathers, another generation arose after them who did not know the Lord nor the work which he had done. For Israel, his chosen people. So the old generation that watched God move in power and in glory died out. And the new generation that came of age forgot their history. The new generation that came to age denied their God. And so Israel began this slow, steady descent down the slippery slope of compromise. God warned them. God warned Israel that if they failed to drive out the nations, if they failed to drive out those Canaanites, then they would become infected. They would become infected by the habits of the Canaanites. They would become infected by their false gods. They would become infected by their sinful lifestyles. And sadly, we know that's exactly what became a reality for Israel. Now, of course, the same trend is happening right here in America. We've already taken some of many of the same steps down that same slippery slope that Israel took years and years ago. But remember that key verse. The key verse to God's people in Judges 17:6. In those days, there was no king in Israel, but every man did that which was right in his own eyes. That means there was no fixed standard of right and wrong. People did as they pleased. They did what they wanted to do. They did what they wanted without even thinking about God. They did what they wanted without even thinking about what God had to say about the matter. And that's exactly where we are today. Even in the church, friend, if we're honest with ourselves, we do what we want to do, don't we? Everybody nod your head. We do what we want to do. But thank God we do have the church, amen? But not so fast. One survey found that only 57% of church-going Christians believe in absolute morals. 57% believed in a black and a white. Only 57% believed in the dark and the light. Only 57% believed in the godly and the Satan. 
So with no clear standard of right and wrong, America began to compromise with the Canaanites of our land. Now, there are Canaanites. Canaanites that we can't seem to overcome. We can't seem to overcome the Canaanite tribe of drugs. For some reason, we can't seem to overcome the Canaanite tribe of crime, of abortion, of immorality, of sexual perversion. We can't seem to overcome the Canaanite tribe of moral decay. And so what do we do? We simply adjust to them. What does the church do? We just accept them. Man, it's just part of life. But then there are Canaanites. Canaanites that, if we're honest, you and I favor. Like that Canaanite tribe of legalized gambling. How about that Canaanite tribe of recreational marijuana use? That tribe of lotteries, that tribe of alcohol that are being accepted by our society. Why? Because that's what we want to do. And furthermore, they bring revenue to the government coffers. Amen? But what about that enormous cost to playing with those tribes? What about the cost? What about the broken homes that alcoholics cause? What about the wrecked marriages that drug addiction causes? What about the shattered innocence of sexual immorality? What about a system that preys on the poorest people in our nation? The lotteries. What is the price that's paid for that? What's the price that's paid for turning away from God and compromising our values? See, people, church people, are playing with vices that are destroying our nation. So we can point our fingers and cast our voice and make posts all we want to do, but we first got to begin by looking in the mirror. Are we being the church? Are we being the chosen ones of God? Are we really His people? And are we living like it? Seems still we continue to tolerate these Canaanites in our land. We continue to tolerate these Canaanites in our circles. And they are destroying our nation. So there are some Canaanites that we fear, that we just can't seem to overcome. But there are other Canaanites that we favor. But did you know that there are some Canaanites that we frequent? That's to say... There are some Canaanites that we're so exposed to, some sins that we're so exposed to, that what happens is, is we start to get desensitized to it. 
Instead of maintaining the spiritual purity of church people, of God's people, of the chosen people of God, we adopt the ways of the world. We talk like them. We walk like them. We do what those other Canaanites do. We go where those Canaanites go. We watch what those Canaanites watch. We like what those Canaanites like. We smoke what they smoke. We drink what they drink. And we've adopted an attitude that, ah, man, sin ain't that bad no more. And we come to the place where it is hard to tell the difference. It's hard to tell the difference between God's church and Satan's world. We come to the place where it's hard to tell the difference between God's chosen and the Canaanites. Why? Because they look the same. Why? Because we have become a nation and sadly we've become a church of compromisers. So like Israel, America enjoyed an incredible, glorious conquest. But we've fallen victim to this gradual compromise. And for that, the Bible's clear that there are consequences. I got to tell you that Israel experienced grim consequences. Because of sin, God's chosen people faced his judgment. And my question is what awaits America if we don't return to God? What awaits American churches if we don't get right and turn back to God? Well, again, all we have to do is look at the nation of Israel. Because the nation of Israel endured a divine sentence. Going back to chapter 2 in Judges, look in verse 3. God said, I will also not drive them out before you, but they shall be a thorn in your side, and their God shall be a snare to you. God vowed to remove his protective hand off of his own people. He would allow these false gods of Canaan to become a snare to them, a trap. And he wouldn't allow those Canaanites to do anything for the nation of Israel except be a thorn in their side. America as a nation can expect no better treatment from God than what Israel received. Even now, even now, if we're honest, we can sense God's judgment on us as a nation. You say, well, my life's pretty good, Bill. Paying my bills. I got a home. Everything's hunky-dory. I'm doing good. I'm not really feeling the judgment of God. But let me give you a couple of examples. 
politically, it seems like God is saying to us now, okay, y'all have it your way. Politically. Militarily, while although much has been done to strengthen our forces, I believe that you and I, that America, can expect our enemies to grow much stronger and much bolder in the years to come. Economically, economically, our future looks kind of bleak, y'all. It's been said that China could bring America to its knees without ever firing a shot. This pandemic, this woo flu has done exactly that. Culturally, it seems like we're fighting a losing battle. Divorce rates have quadrupled in the last 30 years. Teen suicides have doubled. Violent crimes have risen 500%. And did you know that one of every three children born in America is born to a single mama? I don't say that in a derogatory way. I'm just pointing out a fact. Morally, we are totally bankrupt as a nation. Did you know that our government spends millions of dollars teaching kids how to use condoms while using the same money to attack sexual purity before marriage? And at the same time, allowing the indiscriminate murder of unborn children at the rate of one every 96 seconds in America. That's 98 murdered unborn children per hour. That's 2,362 murdered unborn children per day in America. Spiritually, if we're honest, we're in a deplorable condition. The Bible and the prayer have been removed from schools entirely. The Ten Commandments continue to be attacked, continue to be relegated, relegated to antiquated thinking. And that's what the old folks think. That's what the old folks believe. See, people don't want anybody telling them what to do. People don't want anybody, not even God, telling them what's right and what's wrong. People want to do what's right in their own eyes. And so as Israel was judged, so are we. And y'all, there's no one to blame but ourselves. In Jeremiah 2.16, the prophet said to God's people, your own wickedness will correct you. Your own backslidings will rebuke you. Know therefore and see that it is an evil and bitter thing that you have forsaken the Lord your God 
And the fear of me is not in you, says the Lord. Friends, we're reaping what we've been sowing for over 100 years. What is that? A divine sentence. But then something happened. In the very next verse, Israel expressed some deep sorrow. Look in verse 4. So it was when the angel of the Lord spoke these words to all the children of Israel that the people lifted up their voices and wept. And they called the name of that place Bochum, which literally speaking is weeping. And they sacrificed there to the Lord. So what did they do? They wept and they worshiped. They wept and they worship. Friends, like Israel, repentance is the only hope we have. Turning back to God is the only hope we have as individual believers, as families, as churches, as states, and as a nation. It's the only hope we have. And probably the only thing holding up this country today is a remnant of godly people who are praying that we will repent, that we will turn back to God. So friends, I challenge you today, if you don't do anything else as a result of this message, I pray that you will seek the face of God for your nation. Seek the face of God for your nation. Because after that deep sorrow that Israel expressed, something awful happened. Israel plunged into deepening sin. Look in verse 11. Then, they just got through weeping and worshiping. Then, the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals. Now, the primary form of worship to worship Baals was sacrificing your children. So God's people who just got through weeping and worshiping God, turned to a God that required them to sacrifice their children. Does that sound familiar to y'all at all? Verse 12. And as if, as if that wasn't enough, they forsook the Lord God of their fathers who had brought them out of the land of Egypt and they followed other gods from among the gods of the people who were all around them, and they bowed down to them, and they provoked the Lord to anger. They forsook the Lord and served Baals and Ashtoreths, the other gods, and the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel. The anger of the Lord was hot against his own people, and so he delivered them into the hands of the plunderers who despoiled them. He sold them into the hands of their enemies all around so that no one could no longer stand before their enemies. Wherever they went out, the hand of the Lord was against them for calamity. That means nothing good happened, y'all. As the Lord had said and as the Lord had sworn to them, and listen, they were greatly distressed. 
You think your troubles distress you now? If we don't do an about face, just let your mind wander a bit about the calamity and the distress that awaits American families if we don't straighten up. So the day came when Israel, God's chosen people, totally walked away from God. Just walked away from Him, forsook Him. Their compromise brought great consequence. And Israel paid a terrible price. Judgment came and they suffered an awesome wrath of a holy God. Just look around at America today, y'all. You'll see a nation that has forsaken God. Just look around. You'll see a nation that has rejected God's word. Just look around, y'all, and you will see a nation that has thumbed its nose in defiance to God. I'll do what I want to do. I'll do what I think is right in my own eyes. And sadly, this trend, it's only going to get worse as the end times draw closer. Judgment's coming. And like Israel, America will also pay a terrible, terrible price. So, has this been kind of a hard message to hear today? Agreed, brother. I know you love your country, or you'd move somewhere else. I love our country, too. And I want to see if it's possible that God would spare us the judgment that already looks like it's kind of begun already. But I want you to know that I'm not going to end this message on a depressing note. Because something really cool happened in verse 16. Nevertheless, that is, despite all the evil that was done in God's sight, despite the serving of child-sacrificing gods, despite following other gods and bowing down to them, and despite his hot anger against his people, nevertheless, God said, what? Look there in verse 16. Nevertheless, the Lord raised up judges who delivered them out of the hands of those who plundered them. I wonder, could one of the judges of America be in this room today? One of you young people, could you be one of the judges that God is raising up to deliver the nation of America? I like that word, nevertheless. Because it reminds me that in my failure, in my sin, when I forsake God, you know what God says? Discipline's coming. Judgment's coming. Nevertheless. Nevertheless, in spite of your failure, I'm going to send you somebody that will lead you. I'm going to send you somebody that will help you. I'm going to send somebody that will speak to you my word, my living word. Now, sometimes Israel listened and sometimes they didn't. 
Sometimes we listen and sometimes we don't. If that right, isn't that right? I wonder. Come about the end of the week after you've gone through all the trouble and the, the struggles of life through your week. If somebody said, "What brother Bill preached on last Sunday?" Would you be able to say? You can be honest and just shake your head no. <laughs> he good, but he ain't that good. <laughs> sometimes they listened. Sometimes they didn't. But here's what it shows. Nevertheless, God was a patient God. God was long-suffering with his people, and God loved them. He loved his people, and he was going to give them every single opportunity that he could for them to get things straight. To get things right. Can I tell you, God is giving us every opportunity to get it straight. And where does it begin? With the woman in the mirror. With the man in the mirror. Where does it begin? It begins in your marriage. It begins in your family. It begins in this church. It begins in our community. It begins in this nation. So today, I want you to ask yourself the question. Okay, Bill, I get it. Enough already. Where do I begin? Begin with yourself. Begin with yourself. I want to challenge you to do a few things. First of all, I want to ask somebody right off the cuff, is there anybody who might feel led to come and pray for our nation and pray for revival to come? Anybody be willing to do that today? Bubba, come on up. In just a second, Bubba, I'm going to ask you to pray. But while we're praying for Bubba to pray, amen. I want to ask you if you would be willing to align yourself with God. Because we're facing an impending national catastrophe. And judgment's coming unless we get it right. If you'll align yourself with God for that cause... Would you stand today? There's something else I want to ask you. There may be some people here today who have never trusted Jesus as their Savior or the Lord of their life. And I want you to know that Jesus loves you. There might be somebody who's listening to our service today that we need to be praying for that needs to know that Jesus loves them and that Jesus died for them. If you want to be saved today, then I want to urge you to come to him during our decision time. There's something else. There are some, maybe many, of God's precious saints that are here today or God's precious saints who have listened to this message today who have been guilty of walking in compromise with the Canaanites of our land. I can tell you, 
There have been times I've been guilty of talking like them, walking like them, doing what they do and going where they go, watching what they watch, liking what they like. I've been guilty. And I need to get that straightened out today. You need to get that straightened out today. 1 John 1.9 says that if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This decision time is geared for that cause, to get right, to get straight. So I pray that you're listening to God. And if he's speaking to you today, I want to invite you to come to this altar and just have your quiet time with God. Come to him and just come and get what you need. Because we all have need of something. Amen? So, Bubba, I'm going to ask you to pray. And then after you finish your prayer, I'm going to close with some prayer. Okay, brother? Let's bow our heads. God, Father, we come to you today in prayer asking you to forgive us for our ways of thinking, for our ways of living. We want to thank you for loving us the way that you do. Yes. Even though we don't deserve it. Mm. I want to thank you for this message today and hope that everybody on social media here, that it hits their hearts and their minds. Yes. That they think and realize exactly what's going on in this world. Mm. We love you, Father, for first loving us. Yes. And and being there when we don't deserve you to be there. We want to thank you in everything we do, and we pray that we do the right thing the right way. Yes. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Yes. Amen. Father God, we do praise you, and I just want to, I want to just second everything that Bubba just said. And Father, I pray that each person here today is reminded that we are our brother's keeper, that we are responsible for how we live in front of a 